0: Jason Motchlin, Texas Alliance of Energy Producers.
1: Appreciate you coming on to join the program here this morning as we're trying to, I don't know, figure out all the different shale plays that are going on. Uh, The winter storm pretty much hit America yesterday, but Texas really got hit hard when it came to uh, energy. Uh, There was all kinds of uh, road problems, and even I saw this fantastic photo of a helicopter spraying a wind turbine, de-icing it, if you will. And so a lot of things happening, And, and we wanted to bring in Jason Modulin, and he's the president of the Texas Energy, I'm sorry, Texas Alliance of Energy Producer, Texas Alliance of Energy Producer, to really treat this as a teachable moment. And I mentioned that helicopter because That helicopter de-icing a wind turbine because I truly believe that's going to be a finger-pointing moment for a lot of people in oil and gas and and you know rightfully so to a certain degree. But I I think that we need to take you know I say we work in oil and gas so let's have some class let's take a little high road here and explain why that is actually a good picture to show and demonstrate why all the really, all forms of energy are needed. And sometimes they're even needed to work together. So Jason Modlin, thank you for coming on today to be a leader and a voice out there for people right now as they're trying to figure out a lot of times their lives, but now their home lives and all kinds of different things are happening. So how are things down in Texas today?
0: Well, Jason, it's great to be with you. And and thank you very much for inviting the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers to be on, on the show. Uh it, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh the grid operator is projecting that nearly three million Texans uh are or, excuse me, three million homes in Texas uh are without power today. Uh and, and there's there's uh an incredible risk right now with these cold winter uh uh temperatures um to protect human life and, and of course uh protect our roads and, and folks traveling on the roads Uh, so human safety is the paramount concern right now in the state of Texas Um, and we've seen some incredible challenges from this cold weather that have impacted uh, our our electric generation in the state Um, yes uh, we have had tremendous impacts to renewables Uh, Wind uh, capacity in the state has been dramatically diminished um, the Austin American Statesman reported that half of the wind turbines in the state were frozen. Um, and then, uh, from that, a lower portion was actually producing electricity, uh, since, since, uh, uh the start of this storm on Saturday. Um, but, uh, the wind is overproducing from what was projected. Um, and, and that is a good thing um uh, they're generating about 5% of the power today uh in in Texas um and and they were projected to be lower than that uh solar uh is also uh generating a significant amount of power a little bit less than that uh than wind today um but you're still talking about single digits uh where the bulk of the power is coming from in Texas right now is from natural gas coal and nuclear power Um, And each of those have experienced some just dramatic impacts from these cold temperatures. It was six degrees in Austin this morning. Across the state, we've seen um, impacts uh, both from coal uh, and nuclear, which traditionally uh, you would think baseload power really don't have quite the problems. But when they get into icing situations, when they have impacts on getting that power out uh, from those plants, um, they have to, to ratchet back so, until uh, one of the, the nuclear facilities here in Texas, the South Texas Project, actually uh, took one of their reactors um, offline. They have two there. Um, and just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday, um, which are traditionally from thermal sources, coal, natural gas, and nuclear, um, just an incredible impact from this very cold storm.
1: You mentioned the nuclear reactor, one of them going offline or a portion of it. I've been seeing a lot of headlines about refineries shutting down or shutting some portions of the refineries down. Have you been in contact or have you been following any of the refineries? Uh, yes, I
0: uh, saw a number of refineries have been impacted. Uh, that's from both a power demand um, uh, so they've been, uh, curtailed if they're drawing from the grid, but also from a natural gas supply on Friday, the railroad commission, uh, took quick action. I know you recently had chairman Craddock on, um, they took quick action to make sure that human life, uh, both home heating and electricity generation were the priorities. And that allows natural gas delivery companies to interrupt those contracts, with some of our large manufacturing and industrial customers uh, to make sure that that gas can get uh, to those home heating needs and to electricity generation. Um, But we've also seen impacts in production areas. Um, uh, Large portions of the Permian Basin uh, had freeze-offs, and and that limited the ability for gas to get out. Um, And the front page of the Midland Reporter-Telegram today was projecting a million barrel decline in oil production uh, because of wells shut in and impacted by this cold. Uh, That has dramatically decreased the amount of gas uh, coming out of of the Permian and other plays in the state. Uh, Of course, our natural gas and midstream companies are relying heavily on the supplies and reserves that they have in salt domes across the state, Um, but uh, we're burning more. Um, than we typically do. Um, uh, right now we've hit peak demand in Texas where we would normally see that in summer months. Uh, we're doing it right now and we're also burning gas, uh, to heat our homes. So it's, a, it's a double draw right now on our natural gas supplies, uh, where normally in the, in the summertime we would only be using it for electricity. Uh, so again, this is a critical situation in Texas. And uh, to get back to kind of your first point, we need all of our power supplies, and that's really more the policy question. We've had a lot of dialogue and debate in Washington, D.C. about a Green New Deal. We've certainly seen other states around our country uh, embrace those types of policies that want to do away with coal, that want to do away with natural gas, um, and in favor of wind and solar. And when it's 72 degrees, uh, and the sun is shining, the wind is blowing, uh, That that's pretty nice. Um, but when it gets cold, when it gets hot, uh, you start to see those assets uh, decline in their production. And uh, as I said before, with wind, um, the installed capacity is nearly 30 gigawatts, um, and yet we're, we're seeing out of wind right now, Uh, Let me just bring up ERCOT so I can give you an accurate number right here at the 9 o'clock hour. Um, We're we're seeing a significantly lower portion of wind production. Uh, Currently, it's uh, just under uh, 4 gigawatts. Um, So you've got 30 gigawatts installed in the state, and you're getting 4. 4 is higher than projections. Uh, I, I think in this current hour, the projection was uh, nearly 3.5 gigawatts. So, so they are overperforming. Um, but you're, you're talking about a very small portion of our overall demand right now. Uh, demand is currently sitting, uh, right at 46, uh, gigawatts in the entire, uh, ERCOT region, which is most of Texas. Uh, you you don't have El Paso and you don't have, uh, kind of the Beaumont area and, and parts of East Texas in the ERCOT region. But, uh, 46 gigawatts across the state. Uh, wind is performing at, at four. Uh, so, so just under 10% of our electric get, grid is, is being met by that wind power. Uh, the, the bulk of the supply is being met by natural gas. And then it's coal and then it's nuclear. So, um, uh, definite challenges today in the state of Texas and, and we need to. Uh, get the power back
1: on. Interesting to hear that mix. It reminds me a lot of what we experience up in North Dakota. Like nine, in, in any given day, ninety percent of our state's powered by coal. <laughs> People don't understand that up up in our part of the country. And we actually get a lot of energy from Canada, and we export a lot to Minnesota. And so right away, I'm thinking about the crude lifes. Motto in 2021, when we did our media kit last October, was "strength in numbers," and what's happening right now is showing how all these different energy sources are needed. And I mentioned that kind of that uh, fail photo, if you will, of the uh, helicopter de-icing the wind turbine which is you know in my opinion probably one of the better pr photos for for the oil and gas industry for over a decade just to demonstrate the other photo that worked really well was coming out of australia last summer where they showed this uh diesel-powered electric car generator in the middle of the desert well electric cars can only go 150 miles or something like that so and you know rather than closing our mind to something they decided to you know strengthen numbers have two different powers work together and in North Dakota we get these wind these ice storms all the time and I remember one specifically I covered oh seven eight years ago and it was really bad where the uh, power lines you know when they get ice they get brittle and they crack and it took almost two months to get power on in some rural areas now, I'm not familiar with you know, how involved you are with the shared energy you guys have with other states, you know whether it's the importing or the exporting or anything along those lines, or how much rural people depend on which kind of energy, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about the strength in numbers and whether you're hearing any conversations of whether any neighboring states are being impacted because of this.
0: Uh, absolutely uh throughout the southeast uh, there's been significant impacts um, in, in and into the the midwest uh the, the midcon um, uh, electric distribution system has been impacted uh had to shed load uh as as winter ice storms have impacted uh, that electricity generation and also those lines into uh urban areas where you lose the line, you, you you can't produce the electricity to get it into those homes and businesses. Um, so we've absolutely seen that impact. Texas has a very resilient grid. It spans nearly the entire state of Texas. Uh, where we've had wind impacted uh, in, in the uh, Panhandle region, uh, we've been able to draw more from wind on the coastal region. Um, certainly, as as the sun has come out this morning and melted some of our uh, very rare snow uh across the state um, uh, solar has been able to come on and, and uh currently I just checked it is generating about a gigawatt of power um, again uh our our demand right now is forty six gigawatts uh so so solar is generating uh, uh, about two percent of that grid and again good um, but we need far more power. And and that really gets back to these policies that want to do away uh, with nuclear, do away with coal, and do away with natural gas. Uh, We've seen a number of coal plants in the state of Texas shutter. And we've seen a number of gas plants uh, be abandoned uh, from being uh, further invested in in, and built out. Um, And really, that's because we have uh, some, some dramatic and bizarre policies out of the federal government that pay for production credits. That essentially drive that wind uh, kilowatt hour to zero, or in some cases, negative prices, um, and 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 that creates a tremendous challenge on investors uh, from pursuing these types of uh, resiliency and reliable uh, baseload power in coal and natural gas. Um, some of the things that we see in other parts of the country. Uh, Where they don't quite have these temperatures, uh, uh, excuse me, where they have these temperatures on a regular basis, they have backup systems. Uh, You've got natural gas facilities that can switch over to uh, heating oil and and burning oil uh, to maintain that level of power. Uh, Here, uh, we we have more um, single source uh, electricity generation and so don't have quite the diversity um, on site to be able to switch between Uh, power facilities. But um, again, just unprecedented winter storm across the state of Texas that has dramatically impacted all of our power generation. um, And we need more power, not less.
1: One of the things that Crude Life has demonstrated over the past 10 years is we've been a proactive media source. And right now we're doing a reactive interview. We're reacting to what happened in the state of Texas yesterday. And what I mean by proactive before is that we we were we had a discussion about negative oil before it happened, and then it happened. There's certain signs in the economy and in the marketplace that you know we can see, and we pride ourselves on being able to detect those. Today we're talking about a reactive interview. We're reacting to something. And I want to just now get to the proactive side of this. So I understand that there's going to be some social shaming on both sides. The oil and gas industry is going to participate in it and the the climate activists are going to participate in it. And there's going to be all kinds of badgering back and forth. And um this is going to be another very good example for industry to show that not only do all the above work, but we got to really work together. Not only do all the not only do all forms work, but we got to figure out how to work them together. So I wanted to transition to the proactive side and just what should people know? What should people take away from this in terms of as soon as you know, the noise has already started, you know, the, the, the noise. So we're here today to say that industry listening, you know, when you, when you get bombarded with, with what's going on, just keep in mind that there are certain things that we need to keep an eye on. You mentioned some of the policy and some of the legislation and some of those things. So if you're talking to somebody who's, Wanting, you know, an alliance of energy and a, a pro all the above, if you will, if that's still the term. Um, what should people know going forward now because of this yesterday?
0: Well, I mean, uh, what, what they should know is that when we had uh, unprecedented winter storms, 85% of the power in the state was being provided by natural gas, coal and nuclear power. Um, that we certainly embrace uh, an all-of-the-above strategy that has been able to build out some of our uh, renewable assets in the state. Um, but those get severely impacted, uh, whether it's extremely hot or extremely cold. Um, and so we see declines in their ability to produce when power is needed uh, um, critically. Um, I, I think the the message to drive home is that we need more infrastructure. You talked recently to the Permian Basin Pipeliners Association, and how there's no question we need more takeaway capacity out of our key basins in this country to make sure that power can get to where it's needed, both um, from a, a refining space, but also electricity generation, and making sure that customers can be served here um, in, in Texas and in the United States, so that. Ability to, to move that power around, uh, that, that critical capacity, um, to, to generate electricity and to get it to homes, uh, is what we need to be focused on. Um, uh, we're already seeing calls at the legislature to kind of reopen these conversations and see, uh, where are the failures and where we need to build from. Um, uh, but what should be abundantly clear in all of this is that the message is not we should get rid of the 85% that is providing our power today, that is keeping the lights on, that is key, keeping Texans warm. Um, and, and again, this is a awful winter storm. There will be severe uh, life-threatening impacts. There already are um, uh, losses because of this cold weather, because of the impact on our roads, because of the losses in, in telecom and, and the ability to communicate with first responders. Um, But the answer is not to do away with the 85% providing the power um, today. Um, uh, That needs to be wholesale rejected. uh, And we need to have robust conversations about resiliency and reliability.
1: Jason Modlin, president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Thank you very much for coming on the program today. And Remind me again uh, how people can become a member, and I believe you've got several thousand, don't you?
0: Absolutely, we're one of the largest trade associations in the in the United States dedicated to independent operators. We have uh, uh, we have members from across the country, uh, but primarily our focus is here in Texas. Uh, we also look out for things happening in, in Washington D.C. Uh, have nearly three thousand members. Uh, here in the state of Texas, and you can go to texasalliance.org, and there on our member page, uh, you, you can uh, check out how to become a member of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers.